0: Do you hear the people sing?
1: (laughs) Today we are diving into this Les Mis couple's hearts full of love. Do we ship Marius and Cassette? Or Marius and Cassette? Cassette!
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Listen Listen to find out. Listen
1: to find out, y'all.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Devin.
1: And I'm Steph.
0: And welcome to the We Ship It podcast, Lay Ms. Style. Uh, we want to talk about Marius and Kazette. and of course, a little bit about Eponine as part of our Lay Ms. series. Uh, make sure to listen to our upcoming. Uh Javert versus Valjean enemy ship episode as well. It's gonna be a blast.
1: It's gonna be a fun one. Lame is has just forever been a favorite of mine. My dad and I have watched like every version of it, the 10th anniversary, the 25th anniversary. Mm-hmm. We watched this weird show, like series that was really bad, but it was still Lame still is. So it was good. Um, the movie. Uh, Just everything. And what's exciting is Tom and I are going to see Levis this weekend because he has found a newfound love for it. So it it was his Christmas gift. Um, But I absolutely loved it. And obviously today we're going to be focusing a little bit more on the movie slash Broadway adaptation, because while there are some of us who have read the book or are attempting to get through it now. Like me, uh, I think the most familiar version of the story right now is probably the movie slash show. Yeah. Um, So with that, uh, only 20 hours to go till I finish.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And she's probably Uh, listening to that on, uh 2.0 speed. speed. Yeah.
1: Double speed. And I have 20 hours left. That's but crazy. <laughs> worth it. Um, I love the story. It's full of life lessons and great morality questions, the real deep stuff, and of course, great relationships too. So let's get talking.
0: Mm-hmm. And today we are joined by incredible guests, Megan and Megan, <laughs> roommates and lay <Les-Miz> Ms. fans. <laughs> Welcome to the show, ladies. Woo.
1: I am good friends with Megan, and she knew Megan would want to join us too, uh, and so this episode was born. For a little background on Eminem, which I may just call you Eminem for this episode, I hope that's fine. <laughs> Oh yeah, please, Do I love that. We have a duo <laughs> name now. Great. Uh, Megan is a longtime lover of long unabridged books and mostly loves movie adaptations as well. Do you love the lay Mis movie adaptation is the real question? For- for what it yes. is, for what it is. Good, good, good. Um, she's come to love Lay Miz after first encountering it in her 30s. Um, and Megan is also a longtime lover of long books and has loved Le since age seven, which kudos to you man that is great when her parents made the Broadway cast recording their primary road trip family activity soundtrack alongside Paul Simon's Graceland that is wonderful Beautiful. Um, she has been shipping since she discovered the world of online fandom in 2007 and when she's not geeking out over musicals you can find her in the Harry Potter or Star Wars fandoms or playing virtual dollhouse in Sims 4 (laughs) that is great Megan and Megan's friendship was faded it is a ship worthy of this podcast we can talk about it in another episode perhaps that's great (laughs) (laughs) Um, what at first appeared a chance meeting at their small very small church revealed or yes revealed similar first names matching middle matching middle names i didn't know this about you incredible um, matching area codes, big deal for DC residents, that is true, matching white hashback cars, and it is a surprise to us, both graduates of the same small college and involved in the same <laughs> women's music honorary, that's great with a slew of similar interests and just enough differences to keep it from being dull, this ship spans half the, cu- the country and is still standing strong, so excited to have you both on, friends happy to be be here! Oh yeah, so excited to be here.
2: This is fantastic. Awesome.
0: Well, we love to see it. <laughs> uh, and now we want to begin with our classic check-in question: What are we thankful for today?
3: Any takers? Oh, I'll go. Go ahead. Um, so my kiddos have been super sick, which is not what I'm thankful for. Sad. <laughs> but what I am thankful for is that when I called into work, my boss said what do you need we'll go to the store for you and then the secretary of our department showed up with bags of groceries and saltines and electrolytes
0: and oh, there is good microwave <laughs> that's awesome and
3: i felt so loved
0: oh that's it awesome was great
3: it was really really awesome because we we needed it i wasn't going to the store
1: with the two sick kids so that's really special to life. have like a co-worker co-worker community like that for real
0: absolutely
1: that's oh, great. it's it's awesome i love it and i'm so thankful for it love it megan
2: uh let's see actually I'm, I'm gonna keep this really simple because it's just like true today but also true always um i'm thankful for cheese
1: Amen.
0: Nice. Like, nice.
1: <laughs> that, that's it. That's, that's what I, I have. That is, perfect. is great. And I'm thankful for the second trimester because Ooh. the first trimester sucked so bad. I'm not going to lie. And today or this week is like my first officially official week in the second trimester. And I actually have energy. Like I got out of bed and I didn't vomit. And I just walked around (laughs) and that is a blessing. So I'm thankful for the second trimester.
0: (laughs) It's the little things, right? Right. (laughs) No, that's awesome. Um, I am thankful. I know I'm going last and I'm still like, I have no idea what I'm going (laughs) to say. Um, Hmm. I'm thankful for nicer weather. We're finally getting to that. Nice. Uh, Thawing, thawing period of, mm-hmm. um, spring where it finally starts warming up and we can actually do stuff outside. So I'm loving that.
1: Very, very good. Well, thank you, everyone, for sharing. We love spreading the thankfulness. Um, okay, so moving into our discussion on Cazette Marius, and Eponine. So I have a mini summary. Um, we meet Marius pretty far into the Les Mis story, and that's true of the book and the movie. Um, before then, the story really follows Valjean and his adoption of Cazette as a young girl. Um, he finds her abused and neglected at the Thenardier house as a child. Um, she's Fantine's daughter, but Fantine had to leave her behind, given the fact that she was a single mother and was trying to find work. Just all this messy stuff. So thinking that the Tenadiers were taking care of because they were not, she was sending them money. Um, and when Valjean finds her, he realizes, I got to adopt this girl. This is crazy. So basically he... He takes her from the Tenadiers. He adopts her. Um, and throughout his life, he shares very, very little about his past with her because he has kind of like a CD past. Um, but he does give her a good life. I think for a while they live in a convent, they eventually move. Um, but eventually, Mary said, Cosette, they see each other in the public square. And of course, immediately fall in love with each other. They see each other and it's love at first sight. Uh, This is hard for Eponine, who is actually the Thenardier's daughter, which is a pretty crazy little twist there, who lives across the hall from Marius. Um, And she's in love with Marius. So this is obviously very, very hard. I say Marius, Marius, I don't know. Judge me all you want. We'll figure it out as we go. I keep on switching it up. Uh, But When she realizes that Cosette was the girl that she knew when she was living in her house, she decides to help Marius find her. And not only that, but she stops her father from robbing Cosette and Valjean. So we see all three of them solidify their feelings in the song, a heart full of love where Cosette and Marius basically sing like two little angels, how much they love each other. And Eponine is in the background, just like upset about it. Um, But anyway, there's a lot more. Mar- <laughs> Marius goes into battle as a revolutionary. Gazette left town. And Eponine gives her life for her. This is a huge thing that I'm excited to talk about because it really crippled my soul. Um, but then Valjean saves his life, dragging him through the sewers of Paris. Uh, Marius survives the revolutionary battle while his friends don't. And he feels really bad. This-, this is something that sticks with Marius for a long time. But eventually he does find healing in Marius Kazette um and Valjean leaves before their wedding day explaining his dark past to Marius but not to Cosette. He doesn't want to ruin her, so he leaves her behind. Cosette is obviously so upset about this and one of I think Marius's strongest points is when he finds out where Valjean went to await the end of his life. He leaves on his wedding day to go find him and reunite Cosette with her father. Um and there they tell him they love him and the truth is clarified. So it's just like a really strong ending. To a really, really not fun, but interesting and deep play. So, yes, Valjean dies and the show ends. Um, So, Valjean is obviously very much a part of this relationship, too. Mm -hmm. Like, he's kind of the third character there. So, we're going to talk about that. For sure. Cool. Go ahead, Devdev.
0: On we go. Let's do this thing. Uh, let's start off with our first question. Uh, there is a very quick love at first sight attraction <laughs> with these two. Um, why are yeah. they so quickly swept up in this attraction?
2: I mean, so okay. Let's start with the the Kazette side of things. Mm-hmm. Because as Steph mentioned, like this girl grew up in first of all, like not a great situation with the Tarniers who are some of the most vile people to exist in fiction, by the way. Um,
0: the most vile. They no, are. really. It's <laughs> like so
2: We're going to talk about them too in their own. Episode. Oh yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, it's
2: relevant. But then, and then after that, she's rescued by this guy who comes out of nowhere and it's, you know, like, you know, your, your mother sent me to come get you. Um, she's with God now, but we're going to go often and do their own thing and then she grows up mostly in a convent and even when they move out of the convent it's pretty clear that she has little to no contact with anyone outside like maybe you know like very brief contact but they don't have any friends or extended family or anything she doesn't she doesn't meet a lot of people um And I think she's also the sort who's probably just prone to fantasizing about being swept off her feet, because that is a thing that has literally happened for her in her past. Uh, So it makes sense to me that as soon as this guy shows up and is, you know, sort of struck by something about her, that she returns that interest. Now, is it a like she's interested in him or is she interested because he's interested? Mm, A real question. No
1: that's yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's a really insightful point to bring up though, about how she was swept off her feet as a child. So perhaps this is just how she thinks that these things go. Um, And you kind of have to wonder if it's necessarily like a healthy thing in this case. Mm -hmm. Um, And when Marius meets her, I want to say like where I'm reading in the book right now He had only considered her the reason that it's so like quick is because he sees her all the time in the public square and he thinks of her as like this little like innocent girl. And then I guess she like essentially hits womanhood. And one day all of a sudden he's like, yo,
0: she's hot. And
1: and so I I don't want to say like Marius is a great character. He's a great guy. They're both young. I I just, I don't know if this love at first sight thing is truly love at first sight, or if it's more of an attraction, a fantasy in her case. Um, I don't know exactly where it stems from. Well,
0: Uh, I don't want to jump in, but go ahead, Megan.
1: Oh,
3: I have in my notes, right? My notes. They're singing and they say, with you, my world has started. And I just think, what? (laughs) Going to be with you. What? What? Yeah. What? No, it is. I don't. And you all have talked about this in your podcast before, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know that you can have love at first sight. Like, love is mm. an action, it's a choice. It grows. You can have attraction. You can yep. have interest. You right. can have warm fuzzies. You can have a chemical reaction that says that it's love. Right. Like, love as something sustaining that takes more. That's a good point um, I think that they are. Sort of evenly matched, though, in coming to this, primed to be swept up. You know, Megan addressed really well. Like, Colette is just primed to be swept up into something. Mm -hmm. And I think Marius is at that age in young manhood where he is looking for a purpose. And he's looking for a passion. And we see our introduction to him is the revolution. He's a revolutionary. But that, because of where he comes from, he is not really the avatar of the revolutionary set. he's right coming from a very different background than his cohorts there. Yeah. And I see that as he's looking for something to be passionate about. He's looking for something to throw his life into. Mm -hmm. And so he sees cassette and he's just looking for something to be passionate about and throw his life into. And, and and she's there (laughs) and she's there, (laughs) right? She's there and she's beautiful. And he's like, Oh my gosh, she's beautiful. And he's just, Looking for a passion, or looking for a placeholder, a container to put all of his passion into. Yeah, and so both of them are just primed to be swept up into it.
1: You're right, Hmm. Devin.
0: Yeah, I think I I do think it's um, they're they're so swept up into this because of a need for a distraction. I think they're both looking for something new something different um kind of like what megan said is that like he needed something to grab his attention and there was kazette like waiting to be caught up like she's kind of just looking for um and she's looking for something too because all she has is her like stepdad so she's like, they just need a distraction from their own life. And also because of all the chaos that's going on around them, um, there's rumors and whispers of this revolution happening and they're both, um, kind of caught up in it in different ways. And they just need a distraction from all the chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also out of a search of love too, right? Um, cause that lost her mom when she was young and never really felt love before she's adopted by this random guy that she learns to fall in love with, like have a relationship with, but she doesn't necessarily like, there's no like instant connection. Like, yes, I will call you father. Like you, like we are uh, together and and we're forming a relationship now. Um, So she's in search of true love. Um, And he also, um, he has, a, I don't necessarily know all of his background. You would know more than I would, Steph. Um, he is this, does his, does mom and dad pass away?
1: No, well, so eventually, but like his, his dad basically gave him to his grandfather because the grandfather convinced him out of it. Okay. Okay. And then eventually like he realizes as his dad is dying or has just died he realizes my dad wasn't the terrible guy my grandfather made him right. out to
0: be so he's also in a search of like acceptance or love as well yeah. he's trying to because he's kicked out of the house because he's supporting this rebellion yeah um so he's trying to find his own place and they both find it in each other but i'm also like what <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like why so fast? Why all of a sudden, like, oh, we just made eye contact across the, the, the um, street and like, yep, this is it. We're, we're in this together. Yeah, I think, think
1: well, so my, my question to throw in here, sorry, I keep throwing in random questions. Um, How so dare you? this is what we're saying about Marius and Cazette and their moment of like true love at first sight Mm -hmm. do we what do we think generally about this concept in literature movies things that we've seen has there ever been a portrayal of it where you're like that looked real or that feels like it could happen like for me i don't think i've ever seen a love at first sight story occur where i'm like that feels like it's realistic to me you know
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah i think there's
0: yeah, I think there's love at uh, not love at first sight, attraction at first sight. But yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Megan?
2: I well, and I was going to say, yeah, attraction at first sight, definitely. But like the when you when you push it further than that and insist that it's love, that always just kind of leaves me with a big resounding kind of question mark. Yeah, yeah that's red never flag. Really done it for me either. Yeah, red yeah. flag, red flags.
3: <laughs> I will say, and this is not first sight, but I know off the top of my head three couples where the guy within the first week or on the first date said he knew this was it. There was no more dating. He was going to marry this woman. Wow. And then they did get married. So I think sometimes when you know, you know, but there was an element of more time than an an eye contact against the market.
1: (laughs) Oh, for sure. And I like, I am never one to say, it's impossible. Like you'll, you'll very rarely get me to say that is an impossibility in this world of how many humans and how many scenarios. Um, but I just generally speaking, especially in the modern age, I'm like, you probably should get to know this person before you commit to them. I understand that there were ways in the past, like when society was way different, that it might've been like, Oh, she's pretty, you know, she she'll make do. And the girl was like, I can't make my own money. So you'll, you'll be fine. You know, I understand that situation, but in this day and age, I think with everything that we have and like all of the, I don't know, the equality of everything. And I just think that like, we should really be (laughs) getting to know our people. Um, But I've also, I have seen, I guess I have seen it work in real life too, where people have really quickly gotten in a relationship, just nothing like love at first sight that I've ever like heard about, um, but yeah. Okay. Sorry. I know I keep throwing random questions in there, but let's turn to Eponine for a moment. So do you think that Marius leads Eponine on at any point?
2: I, I'm i going to say not intentionally um, because, and maybe this is just the fact that in the 2012 movie, Marius is played by Eddie Redmayne who is the perfect good boy Woo! who has never done anything wrong in his life. Um, but but I feel like all of the portrayals of Marius that I've ever seen have this very, like, he has known Eponine, even before he meets Cosette and, like, gets close to her, has known Eponine for a long time. And it seems pretty obvious that, that at least on his side, there's nothing there. Like, he sees her as a friend. She's very firmly friend zoned right like and she even says like one of her the the first part of her counterpoint in A Heart Full of Love when Marius and Cosette are singing at one another about how they have found their true love and she's off in the background being sad um the first line that she sings against them is he was never mine to lose so like even Eponine knows she knows yeah like
0: she knows
2: <laughs> and it's sad but but like I I don't think that Marius is is too I don't know, naive or too too something right. Mm-hmm. To, to realize that. If how she, whatever, yeah. How, how much she's sort of taken with him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can and agree the, with the that. The
2: number of, the number of
3: times that I've seen this, unlike love at first sight. Right. But this scenario, girl loves boy. Boy has no clue. Yeah.
1: Boy oblivious friend's
3: girl. Girl thinks, Maybe he'll love me someday. Boy falls head over heels for somebody else. Yeah, like that. That's not just a literary trope. That's
0: that's like, life.
3: That's a life trope. <laughs> like every girl and every boy at some point has been in there somewhere. Yeah, it's true. So I do. And- go ahead. I think he's genuinely oblivious. Like he doesn't know at all because it just it's never occurred to him.
1: Yeah, I do think we see him have that heavy realization when she gives her life for him and she's kind of singing about her feelings a little bit. And he's like, oh, so I do think like it's not (laughs) I do think it's not intentional. Um, Mm -hmm. I think maybe Eponine doesn't fully understand what a healthy relationship looks like. Mm. So it's really hard for her to understand that he's friend zoning her. Mm-hmm. Um I don't think like I just don't know she has like a healthy understanding of what the boundaries are in a relationship. But I think you're right like at the same time she does say, you know, he was never mine to lose. So she understands it to some degree. I just think before he met Kazet There was nothing, you know, standing in her way from fantasizing about having him. And I think that's where On My Own comes in because she's like broken up because she's thought about walking with him at night and like all these romantic things. And now she's faced with the reality of beautiful girl. He loves her. This is not mine to think about anymore. And what I do think about Eponine is that she really gracefully handles it because there are lots of examples I can think of of someone who's scorned in love like this, and then they act in revenge and she doesn't choose to act in revenge. She loses her life for the guy, protects him. And not only that, at least in the Broadway um, and movie, she not only protects him, but protects Gazette. Which to me is like, you have no reason to be doing that. You're doing that out of just like being a good person. So to me, maybe he doesn't lead her on. There are some like problematic things, but I think it mostly comes from Eponine's like misunderstanding of relationships.
0: Yeah. And she even helps find Cosette. Yeah. Right. She's the one that like tracks down Cosette and uh, Valjean um, and where they live so that he can go see her and talk to her. Um, but no, I don't I think you all are right in that he doesn't intentionally lead her on. The wording is sound. He does not intentionally lead her on. <laughs> are there moments maybe like maybe don't hold her hand and spin her around? Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. If you have intentions oh. for somebody else, do not kind of like
1: be, be acting flirtatious. like that yeah
0: and maybe that's not flirtatious maybe that's just his character i don't know but regardless um i don't think yeah i don't think he leads her on but he also doesn't stop her either like friend zone like (laughs) thanks but no thanks like there's Mm -hmm. no like real moment where he says i'm okay
1: like, yeah, I do I, think I'm, I'm that stems that we're from him not understanding the situation. Enough, he though. doesn't know that she he's, likes him. He's a boy. Yeah. I,
3: I also think some of it stems from just his upbringing. They come yeah. from such different realms that it would, never would occur to him to yeah. think of Aponita as anything other than the girl that lives across the hall. Yeah. Right? There's no, like, she never, she never was going to be in the running for anyone that he would have thought of just because they might be living in the same building now, but they did not grow up at all in In the the same same environment. And so that changes. I mean, you don't lose that, you know, he can leave his family for the revolution, but he's not losing what he was brought up with or those
1: traditions and expectations. That's so true. All right. Shall we move on? Dev?
0: let's do it. So it's clear that Eponine and Kazette have a role reversal throughout the story. Do they deserve their endings?
2: Okay. So deserve,
1: (laughs) deserve. The word deserve is such a
2: a strong word with Mm -hmm. such strong implications about, because as I said earlier, The Tenarnies are some of what I believe to be the most vile people in all of fiction. The truth. And Cosette and Eponine in their formative years are both really influenced by these really terrible people Mm -hmm. and by by being treated very differently by these Mm -hmm. very terrible people, Mm -hmm. right? So I think, like, first of all, no one deserves the Tenardiers' parents. 100%. So, like, on, on that that whole thing. But then you have to think about, okay, well, so does that set Eponine up to be, like, a certain sort of person? And then Cosette, with that sort of, again, like, being rescued and, you know, swept away into this other sort of fantasy world, I think it, it does kind of... You gotta... You got to think about that. And I know, like, there is a lot of talk among the, the like, Eponine fandom of the musical that Eponine doesn't deserve the ending she gets. Mm. Specifically, the, like, oh, well, she goes through all of this terrible stuff and then dies. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know where I'm going with this.
1: <laughs> um, no, I... It's fair. That's where the question came from, really, is and obviously she doesn't deserve to die. I personally think you're 100 percent right. No one deserves to be put through the Tenadiers at all. Um, But. Eponine, I think, actually comes out of there in a healthier state than probably most young people would. I mean, she's involved in some of their thievery at points and like certain things, but she's she's not like willing, willfully, like willingly joining them in their crime. I think that Eponine actually has a moral compass, which you kind of wonder where does she get that, like where did she find it. So to me. Honestly, Eponine has like a stronger character because she survived. She was like a survivor of that environment. And so she, she came out at least understanding right and wrong somehow. Cosette um, is pure and innocent. You know, I, the, the, the fact of the matter is, you almost. In this moment, thinking about Cazet and Epony next to each other, you're almost like I want to hate one of them. I want to hate one of them for either being a bad person or being stuck up. But really, truly, I don't think either of them are. I don't think that they treat each other in that way when they are engaging with each other as older people. Um, so I, I don't have any ill will against either of them. So
2: and honestly, like if Marius were not involved in this situation in the first place, like they're relative endings like only because they had that situation together as children are they as eligible to be compared
1: as they? right are, right 100 any other thoughts
0: yeah no i agree i think i don't think Eponine deserved her downfall her death um i mean nobody deserves that um but you're right in that she does have traits that are so distinctly opposite of her upbringing that um you have to wonder how does she acquire those does she see what her parents are like and want to become something much different than that or um where like where does that stem from um so no i don't think she deserves i, I wish she would have been able to get out more like mm-hmm. apart from the Ternardiers more and have a different story for herself. Um, but that's not the way that uh, it worked out for her. And because uh, I think I do like her ending, um, and it's a Rags to Riches story. She was... Her mother did everything that she could for her, and um, she had a rough upbringing with Ternardiers, and then uh, to be adopted by some random stranger, like, she kind of deserved... Like, all the struggles that she's overcome, she kind of deserves that. Um.
2: And it, it's kind of weird I, to me, I think just to talk about deserving in a story mm-hmm. that's Fair. so centered around like the, the sort of primary driving force mm-hmm. being human compassion and forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Right. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of the point of blame is, and what makes it such a compelling story is that a lot of people don't deserve what happens to them. Mm. Um, yeah. And either it happens anyway, or someone else recognizes that and does something about it.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: So.
3: The one thing that I do like about Eponine's death is that, well, I, I don't think she deserves it. Right. I, I, she deserves a beautiful life. I wish that we had seen her somehow get a beautiful life. I do think that her death is befitting for her character, mm-hmm. right? She doesn't just die from a random shot and meaningless pointless death. She's looking for something more. She wants something bigger. She wants a deep grand love and a a story and a purpose in life that is not what she grew up with. And she finds that in the way that her story ends. So I think it's befitting for her, but I still don't like it.
1: Yeah. It stinks, but it's kind of like, um, but yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks for, talking about that. That was one of the questions I really wanted to talk about because it's something that's always bothered me that the two of them go through this role reversal and you don't hate either one of them for it. It's just sort of like, wow. Like usually in these types of stories, they create like enemies of these women, but they are not. So I love that. Um, I think that's brilliantly
3: done. Like I just, I'm really truly impressed with how much people can like both of them and that they're
1: foils, but not in competition. Yeah. 100%. Um, Okay. So do you think that Eponine is truly in love with Marius or is it just an obsession slash does Marius have any love or feelings for Eponine? So this is
3: what a part of why I don't see Marius leaving Eponine on quite as much because I don't know that she loves him in As much as she thinks she does. I think she Mm -hmm. loves hope. I think she loves the idea of a way out and a different life. And Marius is a different kind of person than she grew up with. And I think that she loves that idea. And I don't know if we see a distinction between that idea and her knowing Marius deeply as a person well enough to love him Mm -hmm. versus loving the idea of him and what he represents in her life.
2: But uh, at the same time, you have uh, so so with what we've already talked about with Marius and Cosette, right? I think I think a lot of what's going on here in this love triangle is a lot of people loving a sort of fantasy or an idea of what this person could give mm-hmm. me, right? Um, And so like, does, does that count? Is that enough? I do think that, yeah, there is a way in which Eponine's uh, feelings border a little bit more like they, they read more as obsession, but I think it, you also have to consider the fact that with Marius and Cosette, you have an obvious mutual attraction
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that isn't there on that side, you know, like would, would that, fantasizing in that sort of, that type of obsession look different if there were something mutual there with Marius, um, I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's it's a little bit of both because like you said, like she has clearly developed a, a level of moral compass that doesn't really necessarily, you might not expect from, from her upbringing. Yeah. And, and I think that going along with that like the fact that Marius is this revolutionary, um, this guy who's devoted to something else like used to be rich but got himself kicked out to go you know like to to be on the side of the people is a, a sort of admirable character trait right and and he he's kind to her yeah which probably not a lot of people are um, mm mm-hmm. So, like, she she does have some genuine character traits she sees and knows in him that there's a, a basis for. But do any of these people really know each other well enough to, like, love one another? Mm-hmm. Probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I would say, like, did you have something to say, Megan? I don't want to cut you off. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, yeah,
3: probably not. I don't think anybody in this like a, as i was wrapping this up i was like you know i don't think anybody in this movie loves anybody in terms of this love triangle they just there, there's no way there's no substance there but that's that's how the movie is written some mm-hmm. of it per time right because i don't recall the details of the book but i think that, that allows you to focus more on bigger broader themes instead of it being about just the relationships
1: yeah 100%. right percent I totally agree. Um, I think in their case, perhaps they're both intrigued with one another. I think they both have—they don't have ill will towards each other. I think—I think there is an element of caring about what that person is going through and doing. Um, Eponine's a little bit more intrigued with Marius than he is with her, but I still think there is intrigue there. I think he's curious about where she comes from, and she's really curious about why he would leave his family to—to to do this. You know, life in poverty as a revolutionary. Um, so I can't quite clearly say if I think that they love each other. I definitely think there's an intrigue on both sides, and then a caring, like they're kind to each other. That's that's about where it like stops for me. Obviously, Eponine has this like fantasy of being in love with Marius, but I again, like we've all said, she doesn't know him. So. I could definitively say they're intrigued. I cannot definitively say that they're in love, um, or either one of them has feelings of love.
0: Right. I and, well,
1: I do think. Sorry.
0: No, so, you're good. Go ahead. Oh, I
3: I do think that Marius is honest when he says that he loves her during the scene where she's dying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that that love that he expresses is completely mm-hmm. genuine, but it's not the romantic love right. that she was hoping that it would be. Correct. So. I will qualify my previous statement. There is genuine love there, but not a romantic love.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was going to lead uh, into is that I think Eponine, is it more of an obsession or a shame in love? I think it's a little bit of both. I think they, there is that, like, as Megan was saying, like there's that hope, there's that clinging on to something that she wants to work out. But, um, so, and it's also similar to how Kazette uh, and Marius are feeling. They, they are all in a search for something to distract them from their, their polite, their pretty poor crappy lives right they're trying to find something (laughs) hopeful something to hold on to lame is yeah like exactly like (laughs) there's a lot going on around them whether that's personal whether that's um external um society wise like there's a lot happening with these guys and they're trying to figure out like they need something to 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 hold on to to distract them from all of the chaos that's happening around them um and going back to does marius have feelings i think he does have some feelings but they aren't romantic similar to what megan was saying like i I think he has genuine emotions and feelings for eponine but i don't know if they extend that line of being um romantic i think they're they're kind of just um more friendly Mm -hmm. but again don't hold her hand maybe (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing it out there.
1: Some advice over here. All right.
0: So the next question is, what are our favorite traits between these two and maybe our least? And are there any favorite moments?
3: I love their mutual love for um, Jean Valjean. Like it, it grows, it's different, it changes, but it's a beautiful and I think that's something of substance that they do have in common. Um, and so that, especially um, towards the end, when Marius realizes who saved him, that that depth of love and the respect that he has when little Jean is leaving and he doesn't just, you know, tell Cassette or tell him off or yeah. any of that. So that's, I think that that's a beautiful thing just because it puts Marius and Cassette on an even, it's something where they are on an even playing field that Mm -hmm. they don't necessarily have in a lot of other areas. I think.
1: Yeah. I think, um, when it comes to Marius, one of my favorite traits of his that I think, cause really loves too, is his ability to sort of see the truth and then shift and like redirect his life based on the truth. And then to just like Wholeheartedly go for stuff. Like you see this in the book when he learns that his dad actually wasn't a bad actor. He completely shifts his entire worldview. He's not afraid to leave his grandfather. We see this at the end when, you know, the Tenadiers are around. And this used to be a group of people. This is also from the book, but a group of people that he was trying to connect with his whole life because he thought that they saved his father's life. And then in the end, he kicks them out of his wedding. I just, I think that like Marius has a really good adaptability when the truth changes and he's a really honorable person. So I think that that's something that we see in one of my favorite moments between the two, which I mentioned earlier, which is him taking her from the wedding to go see Jean Valjean, because on a day that like, you wouldn't want, you'd want to keep up appearances and stay at your feast. You know, he doesn't care about that. He's essentially like, I found out this guy saved my life. He deserves to see his daughter before he dies, and also I don't. I want Cosette to be happy. Like he is truly like a very honorable, dependable character. Um, Cosette, it's hard because a lot of people probably consider Cosette as like like a basic character, but I actually think she has really deep levels to her that um, aren't necessarily portrayed as well in the movie as they are in the book. There was a quote. I think I took a picture of it that I thought was really interesting from. Oh yeah. Um, Cosette was not very timid by nature. There flowed in her veins some of the blood of the Bohemian and the adventurers who run who runs barefoot. It will be remembered that she was more of a lark than a dove. There was a foundation of wildness and bravery in her. So there is a lot more to Cosette than we really get to see as like the high pitched like blonde in the in the in the movie. Right. That's fair. Right. So I I really think like it's not he. It's not that Marius just fell in love with a bimbo like truly she brings him back to his grandfather in the end like she helps him heal in a time that's really hard and i think that she's braver than a lot of people give her credit for so when i see marius i see honorable dependable seeking the truth when i see kazette i see pure um a light and honestly someone who really values family um so I, I really think it's great. And that's why that one moment really sticks out to me between the two of them. And I was glad you you brought up that detail about cassette too, because
2: I'm the other, I, I've also read the the novel, albeit it was quite a while ago. Um, but I do, as someone who grew up with the musical, like there's definitely a tendency because of how much everything is cut and how much context you lose in the musical, and the movie to think of you know, her as the, she has kind of soprano syndrome, right? Like she's the soprano voice ingenue who is pretty and doesn't have a lot going on for her besides the fact that she's pretty and innocent. Um, but right. at the end of, and I'll, I'll bring this one up specifically that moment at the end of Empty Chairs at Empty Tables when Marius is mourning the fact that he's the only one of his friends who survived, And having to sort of cope with that, you can see Cosette approaching him and saying, like, look, there is more to your life. There is something to live for. And I'm Mm -hmm. going to be there for you and with you as you process this. And I think, like, that's that's the thing that I would say I like the most about Cosette as a person is that, like, she she does have this genuine caring.
1: Yeah, she's devoted to him for real. Devin, you have thoughts?
0: yeah i have to agree i think the big piece of mary's is that he is humble and will he's like the best friend he is honorable and he is just um he fights for what he believes in um and we'll get to that later whether or not he fully believes in that topic or not um (laughs) but um i agree from my slim knowledge of not slim knowledge my knowledge of lame is as it is i don't really see much of a character when it comes to gazette um and that's kind of because of her upbringing and that kind of thing like she she's not really developed well in the movie um to really have like she has emotion but i don't think she has a whole lot of back bone or like um real character nature to her um
1: it's really a shame because we get so much specifically in the in the book about her and she is one of the main characters so you would just think that maybe they would devote a little bit more to it but i do think that because that's real purpose in in the movie and show is it's kind of sad to say it but to drive love interest well, not only the love interest, but to drive the men who are dealing with things to mm. make decisions <laughs> like Valjean. Um, she's the purpose of his his adventure to go, you know, help Fantine. Um, yeah. And with Marius, you know, she's the girl that kind of makes him question the revolution. It just like she's given sort of that vibe, that that character trait, when in reality, I think there's a lot more to her that it would be a lot more interesting on stage than just right. like castle on a cloud and parts of (laughs) a heart full of love you know because eponine gets a song i mean she's definitely definitely a a fighter yeah
0: like she's definitely a fighter because she pushes through all of the life that she's been living up into being adopted and so like she she manages to get through all that which is Mm -hmm. great and so but i just don't know if we really get a true honest depiction of her character Mm. um favorite moments i like the garden scene but it's also oh. that sense of, <laughs> yeah. um, it's also that sense of like Romeo and Juliet vibes.
1: It is Romeo and Juliet <laughs> like, vibes.
0: solid, exactly I want to run, I wanna run, run yeah. away with you together. Kind of like.
1: Let's go right now.
0: Yeah. It's very like, we, I think it's worse than Romeo and Juliet in a sense. Cause they literally only just like. Yeah. <laughs> met, like had a conversation like a couple hours ago.
3: Like um, the Carly Ray Jepsen. Syndrome.
1: This is crazy. (laughs) Call me maybe. But call me maybe.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Who um... knew
1: we would be going into Carly Ray Jepsen on this episode? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Musically themed. We're on topic. We're on topic. topic.
2: (laughs) I do really love in the like this is not a moment that I love because of their pairing. It's a moment mm-hmm. I love just because it it brings me joy. Um, specifically in the movie, the expression on Eddie redmayne's face when he sings, I am lost, and he's looking at her like just, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, like, yeah, buddy, you are lost. boy <laughs> you,
0: know, you
1: are lost. <laughs> That's
0: great. Yeah, that is great.
1: Um, Okay. So speaking about Marius a little bit deeper, um, do you think that he's truly devoted to the revolution or do his feelings for Cosette get in the way?
3: I don't even think it's his feelings for cassette. I don't think he's
1: deeply committed to the revolution when we meet him. Uh-huh. The thing about him is he's, his whole life, he's searching for his identity. He's searching for what it is that's going to make like, him feel like he's whole you know he doesn't have his family for the whole beginning of his life and then he turns to the revolution because he thinks that's what his dad would want him to do and then he sees Kazette and he wants to be with her and then he's like confused about where he wants to be and what he wants to do eventually somehow some way he decides during one day more hey i'm gonna fight with you guys but it doesn't really feel like he's decided that's his identity at that moment either so <laughs> it's confusing OK, so this is a
2: very interesting thing where I do want to bring up some of the stuff that's in the book. And I know, yeah, I think this is the part that you haven't gotten to. Oh, please um, bring it up. Let's OK, go. so I think it is a lot clearer in the book that his being aligned with the revolution is really just part of his, you know, like search for identity and mm-hmm. trying to like find other people to tell him what to do with his life. Yeah. Um, because if you don't have all of that backstory about his father and about like what he's doing there in the first place, it's, it's a lot clearer in the book that he's not super committed to the revolution on its own, even before he meets, because like he has very long political disagreements with Anjul Ross. Um, yeah. In, in other places. So like that, that on its own is kind of its, its own thing. But then, um there is an interesting little tidbit, and I'm trying to decide if this is better as a, a bit about Eponine or about Marius. Um, but in the book, the reason he goes to the barricade in the first place is because he goes to see Cosette and they have already moved house like they're gone. And somebody like he hears a voice that's like, oh, you're here. They're waiting for you at the barricade and because Cosette is gone that is that that's the So most he nice. really
1: ain't involved in the revolution. Yeah, he's he's like, "Oh,
2: it's well, like- I can't find this girl now and my life is empty. I'm going to go what? die on the barricade."
1: <laughs> yep.
3: That's the exact sense that I get from the movie. Like, the girl is gone, she is my life. Well, my life is gone. I shall die on the barricade.
2: Yep. And it's not as clear necessarily in the musical because they, they change stuff around a little bit, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't know that he's super committed to revolution, but I also think that that's kind of a good thing in this sense, because if there's one thing that is a more consistent theme and that I think like Victor Hugo was sort of putting into the mouth of the narrator, it's that, the things that are actually important and that change the lives of the characters aren't the violence and the yeah. uprising it's the acts of forgiveness and charity yes. right? so
1: like you know what song kills me is the turning through the years so yes after the guys all die and the women are cleaning up and they're like was this worth it like these are men who had lives and mothers who held them when they cried yeah, and they, I agree. like all of this stuff and they were just sort of like look at what they gave up because they mm-hmm. were swept up in a political passion not necessarily whether it was like a right or wrong thing politically speaking but i do think that it was a commentary on right like they all just lost their lives and for what yeah, you they know. gave up all of these
2: things. And at the end of that, nothing has changed besides all of these people are dead. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so in some ways, the fact that he's really gone on cassette is the thing that protects him. Like the only reason he survives the barricade at all is because he because loves Valjean. Yeah. Valjean. yeah. Valjean. And because Valjean knows that he loves Cassette.
0: Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah. But I agree. I don't think he's solely devoted to either one um, he's kind of in a sway, but the, his feelings definitely do get in the way of making his decision. Um, he's forced to decide what path he must take. And he really only chooses to join the rebellion because, cause that's departure. Um, so I don't think he's, I mean, does he have feelings towards both? Yes. Is he fully committed to either one? That's where I'm not fully convinced
1: marius and commitment i don't know um, and he never he never has to choose he ends right. up back at the barricade because cassette
3: is gone and yeah. he ends mm-hmm. up with cassette after
0: vajan takes him
3: back and all of his friends die right mm-hmm. so there's nothing left to go back to that. right but <laughs> cassette, who has reappeared my baby monkey
1: has lots of thoughts on this as well <laughs> I hear that. A valid point, man. Valid point. (laughs) Okay, so let's
0: return to Eponine. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think it was the right move for Eponine to sacrifice herself for Marius?
1: It's a hard one to say if it was right or wrong because. We want Marius to survive for Cosette. I don't think Eponine maybe was in the best headspace when she made the choice. It's similar to Marius making the choice like, I'm going to go die on the barricade because the one thing in my life that's good is gone. Sort of similar in her case. I think she was dying for what she considered to be the only light or hope in her life, which obviously there's other ways to find light and hope in your life. So, of course, there's a back and forth to it. It's part of the plot. It's almost a necessary part of the plot, but at the end of the day, was it a good thing? Probably not, you know. And okay, so
2: can I can I say some book things and ruin Eponine a little bit more? um, Please, for for everyone, because this is this is a (laughs) I suffered when I read the book, and now I have to make everyone else suffer. Make us suffer. Um, Okay, so. When I said earlier that the uh, circumstances that lead Marius to the barricade are somewhat related to Eponine, um, you discover in the book, like, so the the bit in the movie, in the Tom Hooper movie, where she takes a a shot for Marius is actually from the book. In the original Mm -hmm. staged musical, she just gets shot climbing back over the barricade to get to him. Yeah. Um, And so like that whole sacrificial element is is something that was taken straight out of the book. Um, What didn't make it into either the musical or the movie is the fact that you it's revealed when Eponine dies or shortly after, I think in like that chapter or the next, that she was the one who set up the she's the one who set up Valjean to move houses so that Marius wouldn't find I know, I knew this, yes. He hid the letter that Cosette had written to Marius saying, yep. we're leaving, here's what's going on. And then it's kind of suggested outright, so I would need to look up the, the details of it again. But she basically insinuates in the last things that she says that the reason she took this bullet for him, she wanted him to come to the barricade So that they could both die together and she takes the bullet for him because she doesn't want to have to watch him die first.
1: And she assumes. Lame. Yeah. I think I knew that. I don't know if maybe I, in another I, kind of TV version I've heard that. Mm-hmm. Plus, I think the letter thing she does in the movie. like As yeah, The letter thing
0: does, does happen. She does hide it and she gives it to him when she's dying. Mm-hmm. She's, yeah. Um, and, and
1: in the book, she explicitly
2: says she was like, I was going to keep this from you forever. But now that I'm dying, I'm worried that you'll be mad at me in the afterlife. So here. Oh, nice. stop it. Nice.
0: <laughs> yeah all right eponine you're welcome you, you, deserve, Thank no, you. <laughs> you deserve this no I'm kidding <laughs> um yeah that's a twist
1: David's <laughs> all thrown off now he's
2: like i um, can't and that's sort of the thing because now i have to think about it always when we're talking about like is that death appropriate like it, you know was it the right thing to do she made a choice she had, and she had
0: to live with the choice yeah well die with the choice right yeah. well yeah
2: but, yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing because um, like depending on her motivations if she did it because she truly loved marius and wanted to you know like him to live on even in spite of her sacrifice like she loves him so much that she doesn't care if she doesn't if he doesn't love mm-hmm. her back then then that's one thing that is an important qualifier. but in that that, that is framing, a very
0: important like in the, in, what's the definition of sacrifice for yeah you? <laughs> like yeah. is she really
2: sacrificing herself is she just thinking i don't want to live in a world where i can't have marius mm-hmm.
0: selfish yeah.
1: any other thoughts <laughs> on that
0: uh well now i don't really have an answer because <laughs> <David's> like
1: <laughs> squashed <laughs> uh,
0: but- my original thing was going to be um i don't know she deserved better, but now i questioning, like, does she deserve better? I don't
2: really know. She kind of brought this upon herself. Yeah,
0: she brought it upon herself. Um, and I think
2: with the information that the musical gives you, it's safe to say you don't know because you don't know what she's thinking when she, right. she does that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, I think it does leave for a better ending. Um, but, um, yeah, now... Um, I just
1: sort of wonder, like, how Marius takes... Um, eponine's memory with him like how he thinks of her after he's married because if he ever addresses it with Cazette. like it just i don't know like i wonder if he ever thinks about her again because he's also upset about all of his friends who died in the revolution but she's not really a revolutionary so i sort of wonder how he considers it because little fall of rain is like a beautiful song spoiler alert i think that might be my favorite um but I just, does that even happen in the book? Like, does he kind of help her peacefully die? And then.
2: Yes. Yeah, so actually that, that moment, which is also in the film. And I think it's so beautifully done where he gives her that gentle kiss on the yeah. forehead. In the book, that is her last request of him. She's like, I gave you the letter. Can you in return, once I have died, kiss me on the forehead. And Marius actually has this moment. She, she says, I'll feel it when I'm dead, even though I'm dead. And and this moment where he's like, "Well, you know, it's just a forehead kiss, and she's dead." He he like thinks through the fact that this isn't being wow. unfaithful to Cosette. This is just once again the way he did for his father and honoring his father's last request, which yeah. is the whole subplot with the tenardiers. With the tenardiers, yeah. Um, he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna honor her her last request and like, yeah. give her this moment of
1: peace and the thing that she wanted in death." I can't be mad at her because I'm like. She just really liked him a lot. Like, she, I I don't know. We'll move on because you you can't really, we can't really make a definitive argument for whether or not it was good or not of her doing this. Like, I think she was just an not an innocent, but she was sort of like someone who didn't really understand the gravity of the decisions that she was making and didn't understand the value of her own life. So it's hard.
3: A lot of the product of circumstances, like yeah. how much- oh gosh, what's the word? Um, It's not ownership, but I'm going to go with that. Like how much ownership did she really have over the decisions versus were they somewhat made for her because of the circumstances that were surrounding her and informing her thoughts and her feelings and her perceptions of the way that the world was?
1: Yeah. A lot of it was her circumstances, I think, and her family. Um, Okay. So Let's circle back to Valjean. How do we feel about Valjean's presence in Marius and Cosette's relationship?
0: I think he plays a very interesting role. Mm-hmm. Um, he is definitely a very on version of a dad in a relationship, like witnessing his daughter in a relationship. Um, yeah. Yeah he's actually encouraging of the relationship versus most dads are not, or at least, especially when it comes to like TV and movies, like most dads are not happy that they're, they're not daughter... carrying
1: their their son-in-law <laughs> through a <his> sewer. That's <laughs> yes, <for> exactly.
0: <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, um, there's that. He rescues Marius. Um, he also only confides confides in Marius, who is a mere stranger to him at the time. Um, his only goal is to make sure that Cosette has a future. Um, and my question is: is this more out of love for her, or is this out of a duty that he has to fulfill in himself?
1: I think it's both a duty to Fontaine still, and love for Cosette, because. I mean, you really see him struggle with the fact that she has feelings for a guy. And then all of a sudden, oh, this is the way that as I'm dying, I can pass her along because that is a really lucky character. OK, she has been passed on and somehow survived like several random people taking her on in their life. <laughs> I don't know how it works out, but this girl somehow gets through it all. Um I think that might have a lot to do with Valjean, though. He's almost like this silent protector of hers for a while. Um, And I don't know. He just he he seeks the good in her life. And that's why I really I like what I see in him being involved in their relationship. It's not, you know the angry father-in-law at any point. I mean, with bring him home and everything, he almost adopts him as his own son. I think he just shows a lot of love for them. Like you said, Devin, he confides in him um, the truth of the matter before he leaves Cosette. Um, I think that the two of them have a very strong bond, even though it's a short lived bond for a little while. Um, And Cosette, obviously, like Valjean is her whole world um, for the entirety of her life. So I, I mean, Valjean's pretty much everyone's whole world in this in this story. Um, but I think that in particular with Marius and Cosette, he plays a really important role to the fact that they're even together um, and in supporting them even beyond living on Earth. Like he provides them with clarity, with a life, like all of that.
2: Yeah, no, and it's, it's kind of funny to think about it in terms of like his uh, – role in their relationship when the overall story is about Valjean and I, I think that's that's kind of the reason that I would say I like it too because in a story that's he, where he's the primary protagonist this moment where he realizes oh Cosette is also at that point the, the whole of his life yeah. Right? Like he's he's been run out of town and changed identities more than once. He's trying to escape all of the bad things he's done in his past and become a better person. And this is one of those final, you know, sort of moments of unselfishness, like that continual yeah. kind of almost probation he has where he's like, oh, this girl who I've raised is my own daughter and who is." now really my whole world, um, like I've moved for her, I've set up a house for her. I've tried to set up her life because I owe it to her mother. Um, I have to let her go. I have to give her to this other person who's going to love her.
1: Yeah. Um,
2: and yeah, and in, in some ways it's kind of a, a really fitting and beautiful resolution to his story, the way that he sort of lives out his, uh, newly embraced compassion and yeah. unselfishness by giving her away
1: for sure. Megan, do you have any thoughts? <sighs> I'm trying to get here. I'm sorry. you're great. Years. You're doing great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that this is fascinating. Devin, I love what you said about how unlike most dads, he's so able to give cassette away so happily. And I think it comes out of his own conflicted soul, right? He's constantly trying to atone for sins. He's constantly hiding from his past. He's not able to fully heal from his past. He's constantly hiding it in order to survive. And then he has to continue to do so for Cassette. And I think that it's easier for him to love Cassette and Marius than it is for him to love himself. Yeah, And that makes it so much easier for him to sacrifice that relationship where Cassette has been his world to marius because he doesn't Mm -hmm. feel worthy of this Mm -hmm. child who has been his world and that's what makes enables him to do what he does for marius because again this girl is my world Mm -hmm. this is the man that she loves and he can see the good in in that
1: that's so good
3: um but he can't see it in himself right which is how he can set it set it aside
2: and and not just that he can't see it in himself, but he said like that the um I'm trying to think of which actual song piece it's in, but where where Cosette is, you know, musing on the first time she saw Marius, and he comes in and he he says to her, "You're such a lonely child." Um, And uh, he realizes that a lot of that is because of him, right? Like he's kept her sequestered and whatever, because her exposure to his past is a thing that could be, you know, that could ruin her. And so he, he loves her so much and at that point sort of realizes that he loves her enough that he needs to give her away to let her have more of the world.
1: Yeah. For sure. Devin? You want to move to the next question?
0: Let's do it. So next, what do we think is the future for these two?
1: It's a hard one. Like looking at them, I want to say they'll have a successful and good future. I mean, they have a good foundation, whereas like a lot of the characters in this story do not. They don't have a good family example, whatever it is. I think the two of them have at least had a good example of love in their lives. So I have hope in she's she's questioning me. I have hope in it. I know that you're thinking Marius and his grandfather is not a great example of love in his life. But Marius has experienced it through others, through his friends that really loved on him well, because in the book, it's not. Oh, go ahead. The examples.
3: It's not the examples that I'm concerned about. I just, the faith is from the like
1: other things. Keep going. (laughs) Okay. Yes. I want to hear, I want to hear, but I, I do think that they have a good future in store. I mean, they've restored their familial ties at the end. They go to find Valjean. Not only that, you know, Marius and his grandfather kind of, at least we're led to believe that they kind of make up. So I think that there's good things in store will there be struggles especially when kazette starts really realizing who valjean was um i think there will be struggles and then marius trying to heal from all the trauma he's been through yeah that's gonna be a struggle um but i i don't think necessarily it's struggles that a marriage can't fight through if that makes sense
0: And, you know, I I, go ahead. Sorry.
3: (laughs) Every time we're both like, well, that last point is my big concern. I want them to make it. I love these characters. I love so much about, you know, what we get in in the film from them. I am very concerned that the bulk of their relationship, if we're talking about the movie, happens after all the trauma. Marius's friends die. (sighs) And all he has left in the world is cassette because that is a lot of pressure for one woman who was raised by a adoptive father and in a convent and has had not a lot of relationships in the outside world to cope with, especially when combined with cassettes own trauma, because she is not free of trauma herself. There is just a lot of trauma in this relationship. Oh yeah. And I, don't know if they have the skills or the tools to make it. I want to think they do in my <laughs> ending so. of like in my in my reprise of Les Mis 20 years on, they are doing well and loving their babies and everything's <laughs> great in the French countryside. OK, Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I have a very deep reservations.
1: That's totally about- fair.
0: No, I, I, mean, I they're agree. They're able to do we that.
3: We tend
1: to get swept mm-hmm. up when we see these like lovey stories, like these big, grand stories and relationships. We get swept up in the fact that, of course, it's going to work out. That's how it ended. But I totally understand your reservations too, because the two of them have been through like absolute hell.
0: So, yeah, no, I also agree with that. I think I, I mean, I want them to work out together, but they have very little. They have a very little foundation. Mm-hmm. and they both bring their own n- not to say this in a negative sense but they bring their own trauma they bring their own baggage, own baggage. to the relationship mm-hmm. so they both have to deal with that together and um i think that it will but it also gives me like Pete and katniss vibes <laughs> <if that laughs> don't makes start sense.
1: with me yeah, in the hunger Games. no absolutely
3: i'm like no no too much trauma <laughs> Just start over You can over. do it, but you both like, need a really good therapist. Yeah. They,
0: <laughs> they need like he's almost a different person,
3: right? He's
0: almost a different person in the relationship now because he's gone through he's seen his his friends die. Um, and he is the only one that's left. I mean, <laughs> uh empty chairs and empty tables is like oh rough it's a rough deal that he's Mm -hmm. coming to terms with like what he's kind of done and like he should also be with them and um it's just and she doesn't necessarily have a song of her own trauma (laughs) besides a cloud in the sky or whatever the song is castle in the sky there you go castle on a the cloud there we go i said
1: it <laughs>
2: you're castle on it. a cloud child yes. cassette. that yeah yep. which which doesn't even encompass you know the entirety of her drama right. so did you have any other thoughts
1: pretty um, much I covered it good.
2: yeah pretty much pretty much everyone said what we need to like i i also am rooting for them i want so many good things for them but uh, Yeah. Like like we said, good, good therapists are hard to come by in 1832 in France. Totally fair.
1: Okay. So the fun question, what is your favorite song from the musical? Go ahead, fam. All of them. <laughs> no,
2: it's so hard to, to pick one. Actually, I'm going to let everybody else go first. Um, So then I can, I can like give a nod to something else that doesn't get said because yeah. genuinely all they're of them. all, great. I love them all so much.
0: Seriously. That's very fair.
2: Yeah. I, oh, go ahead,
1: Megan.
3: I, say, I almost feel like it's a question that needs to be broken down into categories. right? <laughs> so what's your favorite solo?
1: Oh, true. What's your
3: favorite melancholy drama song? <laughs> What's your favorite big character ensemble? <laughs> like,
1: oh, there are so many I do to have an from. answer, but I, I want to
3: hear yours first.
1: Okay. I, I'm honestly going to go with the the underdog of Little Fall of Rain. I really love that song, but that's because from a very young age, Eponine was my favorite character. I love On My Own. I love Little Fall of Rain. <laughs> I am obsessed with it. Yeah, um, that's fair.
0: That's every teenager girl's kind of like yeah, go-to.
1: I love her. No offense
0: to say that you're a cliche. Call me basic. (laughs) Get
1: out of here. (laughs) Devin?
0: Um, Mine is Bring Him Home.
1: I knew that.
0: (laughs) It's always going to have a soft spot. Um, I don't know why. I think it's just a really passionate song for Valjean to come to the realization like, I'm not going to be able to protect Cosette and I need. I, he needs to be there i need to be able to um god please like help me bring him home and bring him home to her so that way she has a future um mm-hmm. i think it's a very like i don't know there's it's
1: oh you know what as another song i love is stars
0: Oh, uh, that's my second favorite. I'm so favorite.
1: sorry if someone else wants. There's to so that. many
0: good songs. Though.
1: I love Javert. I have to say hate him to pieces, but love him. And Tom and I this weekend, I'm wearing a team Valjean shirt and he's wearing a team Javert shirt. And it's going to be very, very humorous. Yes.
2: <laughs> I love that. And also, where can I get one of
1: these shirts? Because I need ah, one for reasons. Anything on Amazon. <laughs> Go ahead, Megan's. What are your choices?
3: My absolute favorite song. Well, so I'm going to start with, for the longest time, the only song that I knew was Castle on a Cloud because we sang it in fourth grade choir. And Aww. I was just like, yes, <laughs> my fourth grade soul who hates chores can relate to this song. Whereas my castle <laughs> where nobody, and nobody awesome. a <laughs> right? Um, But really, truly, every time I see it, the song that strikes me the most to my core is Who Am I? by Jean Valjean, because I just, Ooh. like, hey, it's beautiful, and it's haunting, and it just encapsulates everything that this movie is for me, which is this search for one man's soul and meaning. And it starts at the beginning, and it takes until the very end to find it. And I just love how, you know, you think about Les Mis, and you think about the revolution, and you think about this love story, the love triangle, but for but me, really. it's really this search for this like deep soulful something that's just in these like two little short clips of a song and I just I love it
1: it's a great song Megan um i think we actually kind
2: of covered all of my like now that now that everything i said. no no that's good that's what i wanted i wanted to make sure we said all of the songs that i couldn't pick from um so i'm gonna throw in a weird one that i i love um that is no one's favorite song but Master since everyone house? else has already said no no oh. no um the confrontation specifically yes! the uh! bit where Jean and Javert are having that face-off after um, Fontaine's uh, after he's promised Fontaine to take care of Cosette and that's in the musical the first and only place you really get any of the story of Javert besides mm-hmm. he's this angry policeman who's yeah. like going around tormenting people who've gotten out of prison right like he he has this whole backstory that explains that sets up stars that sets up the way that his story ends um and also this moment of valjean um sort of making his first real turn after because he's already decided like okay i have to give up this life i have to go rescue this girl but i also can't let this guy rot in prison for something that he didn't do um Oh, that's a good one. The the, like encounter between the two of them and the tension and the counterpoint. uh, It's just, it's truly you're
1: right. Like the entire like movie, the entire show is just incredible song to song. There's not a bad one. I don't think. Um, Oh, and then the last song, the epilogue and like, Oh my gosh. And the fact that in the movie, the guy who played Valjean and like the show is the Bishop and Oh, stop. I can't, that was I can't stop especially, myself. Yes, I grew up with that that recording of, what is it, Colm Wilkinson? Yes. as Who was Valjean? Yeah. It, oh. Incredible. True. Incredible. All right, Devin, take us home.
0: Bring us home.
1: Bring us home.
0: <laughs> 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 I got him. All right. Last question, everybody. Do we ship it?
1: I'll wait on the Megans. I do.
3: There you go. (laughs) I really want them happy in the French countryside with their children. Yep. So, like, they've got a lot going for them, and I hope they can get overcome all of the stuff that could get in the way.
2: Yep. That's I. I'm kind of going to go the same direction. Like, all of the obstacles, all of the things that are standing in their way. They're all just, you know, like. A lot of things about this relationship are theoretical, but I think like what you do see of them is really pure and really lovely
1: and adorable. And yeah, I want them to be happy. Me too. I ship it. Um, I also ship Eponine living and finding a good man. But yes, we can't have yes, everything yes. naps for that yes. <laughs> we, can't, we can't get everything we want, but I, I do ship it. I think that there have been some concerns brought up that have made me think twice about how, like how seriously I think that like they have a secured future, but I do I ship it as far as what I've seen and what I hope to be for them., um, you're right. They're pure, they're innocent. They love each other, and it's it's quite beautiful
0: yeah i agree i think i do ship it there's obviously some contingencies with that ship um i think they need to work on more than just love Evan's always
1: got contingencies with these things he's like (laughs) (laughs) communication security yeah we're flying Um, an asterisk um, flag
0: 100 (laughs) (laughs) percent um but what I like about their relationship is that they are the future of this show. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone else has died. Everyone else has their resolution in some sense. And these guys get a resolution, but they also have a future together. Yeah. Like, although we don't know what that future holds, we know that they are the future. Um, They are the ones that are going to um, pursue something after the barricade and pursue something after the revolution. Um, Because, let's face it everyone either dies or has a terrible ending so Mm -hmm. um these are the ones that actually get some they they're given a future together and they have to take it and run with it um so i do think there's hope in their future and hope in their relationship so there's that
1: so officially shipped after all all right, everyone. So there you have our thoughts on Marius, Cazette and Eponine. Now, what do you all think? So we have just a few comments here. Our first comment is from Hannah, who joined us on our Phantom of the Opera episode to start off season five. Hello, Hannah. Um, Hannah says, Eponine deserves so much better. cazette is the worst.
0: Wow. <laughs> She's
1: got short and sweet and strong opinions right here. So thank you for writing.
0: That's in a powerful punch. For yeah,
1: we'll her. have to talk to her <laughs> offline about
0: this. <laughs> uh but we see where we're coming from. So our our next comment is from Julian. Hi, Julian. Uh Julian says, Marius and Kazette are the perfect example of true love at first sight. The two see each other and immediately know they're meant to be. I do feel bad for Eponine, but Marius isn't right for her. Cosette is pure, and Marius needs that light in his life. Cosette needs a protector and an honorable man, which Marius demonstrates that he is. They balance each other out really well. That's fair.
1: Fair. Thank you. Yeah. for the like that. Yeah. Good comment. Good comment. Um, awesome. Well, first I want to thank Megan and Megan, uh, the double threat for joining us today to talk about Marius and Kazette. Appreciate you both and all of your insight on Les Mis and your shipperness. It was a great discussion. So thank you, ladies.
0: Yes. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having us. This has been amazing. Yeah.
3: So fun. This has been a blast after listening to episode after episode and talking back to my phone. It's been fun to get (laughs) to talk to you in live time.
1: Good. So excited.
0: Let us know if you want to join for others. Literally.
1: We have a lot going on season five and we'd love more guests. So
0: absolutely. Um, And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast or if you have feedback, please rate and review. We would love to hear from you. Yes, you.
1: Yes, indeed. And of course, engage with us on social media. Um, If you're ever interested in joining for a show or sending in comments, please email us at we ship at podcast at gmail.com or find us on social media, mostly on Instagram. I think it's just We Ship a Podcast. So follow us there. We love engaging with you all. Thank you guys for listening. I am lost. I am found. A heart full of love. Bye, guys. (laughs) See you
0: guys. (laughs)